saw the Illustrator mm-hmm. and realized yeah, I probably haven't used Illustrator in, I don't know, 10 years. No, oh, it's changed completely. It's funny because a lot of it has changed, but so much of it stays the same too. I mean, the, the, all the fundamental concepts and like the mm-hmm. fundamental tools, they're yeah. the, I mean, they're, they're better, but it's the same. They work the same for the most part. Yeah. But as you can see, I mean, I'm decent enough to make a shitty label for my, for my beer. But um, what I haven't done yet is I plan, I just installed it, but I haven't used it, is InDesign, because mm-hmm. InDesign is what you use to take like a label like that. Because what I want to do is I'll have to then lay that out on like an eight and a half, 11, because I bought this sticker sheet paper. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's actually an eight and a half by 11. And this is a show, by the way. And the tile it. Um, so it's, it has no perf- no cuttings or perforations on the sticker whatsoever, on the sticker paper whatsoever. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, so I'd have to, in InDesign, I'll tile the design and just fit it. I don't know how many I can fit on. I haven't done the math yet. Mm-hmm. Depends on also what size of label I want. If I'm okay with small labels, then you can get a lot. But if right. if I want a full, like, five inches high wrap all the way around, I can only fit two of those on a page. But I think I think InDesign, I was talking to my brother-in-law, who's a uh, art director, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, he uses all these tools. And he's, he said, yeah, I, I would use InDesign to do any... I would, I would design it in Illustrator, but then when it comes to, like, laying it out for print or whatever, it would go in InDesign, and then you can do, like, just, you know, like, you can put the, um, like, the cut marks... Mm-hmm. Which actually I would need because we have one of those. What are those like? I call them like teacher cutters. The, 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 just paper cutters. Yeah. yeah. So we have one of those. I figure you know if it's got cut marks, I can just I could because I need to again that sticker paper has no cuts on it whatsoever. Right. It's just and so you have to then cut it yourself. So if I've cut marks, I can line it up nicely and get a you know decent square cut. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm I'm just letting you know I've got more use for our Creative <laughs> Cloud subscription that you always pay for for us. Yeah. Oh, God. I use it all the time too, even yeah. even with client work because I use the uh, I think it's InDesign. I'd use that for mocking up different um, designs. So I'll have on the same document. Of course, I'll end up cutting them all out and putting them into PDF to send to clients because they don't have the tool and they wouldn't know what to do with it. But I'll have the the kind of web desktop model of it, and then I'll have like uh, mobile renderings and things like that for some of the community stuff that we do. So. Hmm. Uh, and then I can put like two or three designs on the same thing and I can tweak them and I can copy, right? Not copy, but I can share art, artifacts between them and everything. So it's really efficient for me. Yeah. Hmm. You should um, expense that since you use it for work. Hmm. It's not cheap. I mean, it's actually, you know what? If you use a lot of the tools in, in Creative it, Cloud, yeah, it's, it's a damn good deal. I mean, you're getting an insane amount of yeah. good software. Yeah. It's got a ton get, of stuff. You get Adobe. I mean, you get the full Adobe. I mean, you can right. edit documents and create you make movies. You can make soundtracks. You can do podcasts. Yeah. You can do everything. You can print beer can labels. Yeah, you can <laughs> run your whole business off of it. You can. <laughs> <laughs> can you do it all on your watch? No. 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 It's a Probably. fail there. <laughs> <laughs> Master well, one. Yeah. Then you can add number I two. I know. Should that one... So, so that was before we started the show. John and I had just had this discussion. I'm talking, talking to the, to our peeps now. Um, is that breaking the fourth wall or whatever? Touching, sure. touching the third rail, breaking the fourth wall, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about how, because, okay, I used to, I have this soundboard app called Farago, and it's, it's a nice piece of software. It's from the, I think it's Rogue Amoeba. They make good mm-hmm. stuff. I've always liked their stuff. But it's lacking a fundamental feature that I think it has to have, which is like a, just a quick search. So you just start typing, and as you're typing, it's filtering down the list of sounds 
right. so that I can quickly find what I'm looking for and then hit the space bar or whatever the key is to play it. Right. They don't have that. So, you know, you can lay out different, you can have multiple boards. And I have, here's my problem. I have, you know, I don't know, probably a hundred different clips mm -hmm. on my not real soundboard soundboard. I mean, I guess these are real. Um, actually don't have, I don't have a lot of my stuff even loaded in Farago, but already I have like four or five boards and I've got to go to each one and I'm, I'm, I'm just like, uh, each board has, you know, I don't know, 20 or 30 on it. And I'm, I don't even know where they are. I'm just, I'm looking around going, I don't know where that is. I can't, and you know, you're giving me shit because I, it's taken me too long to respond. I'm like, I, this sucks. So I just end up using Finder and I just type in the search bar and I start typing in. That's how I do it. And then even then that takes me too long because that's, Finder's not real responsive. I haven't tried any of those alternative finders yet. What are the, um, there's a one big, really big one. I think it comes with SetApp, actually. With what? SetApp. The thing we talked about oh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, time. probably. Um, I use Alfred. Can you, that might, I don't know enough about Alfred, um, but can you, can you start a search that just searches in a directory? Like, hey, Anytime I search, like search this directory, because that's what I want. I don't want it to find sound files or files all over my hard drive, just, just in my soundboard directory. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Okay. And then you can set up a workflow that does that. The only problem is it's your trigger is like, well, I guess you can do hotkey triggers as well. So you could do that. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you could do it that, that way. Yeah, I might need to do that. I, I think I actually installed Alfred, I think. Such a different going one. To, um, a long time ago, I mean, for the longest time, I used Quicksilver. Yeah, that's right. Which actually is. Was a great piece of software. It was just always Do open they not source. Make it anymore or support it anymore? I think so. I think it is still is still being supported. I just I don't know. Last time I did a fresh install, I didn't. I thought I'm going to see how far I can get on just mm. because. Um, what's it called? What is the command space thing called nowadays? What is that? Quick um, spotlight. Spotlight got a lot better. It's still nothing compared to Quicksilver or Alfred, but. It's like good enough that I never went back and installed Quicksilver. Yeah, and Alfred actually plugs into Spotlight's indexing, so it's just as good when it comes to finding stuff. So I can use the Spotlight database. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Anyway, um, yeah. So I, I we, in what fact, were we I, about? I plugged oh. in Alfred. Well, just a quick tangent, but I plugged, I created workflows for Alfred that will let me launch orgs, so I can hit a command and tell it to open this org and log me in automatically. Um, that's cool. And I have it so I can just type in the name of my project, my IDE project, and it'll launch that for me as well. What'd be really cool is if you could, and maybe you can, to use Alfred to find a one password entry. And then when you find the one you want, launch it. Oh, and, it does. Yeah. It has actually has a built-in plugin for one password. So why wouldn't you just do that then? Like, because you have all your orgs in one password, right? Because the, the, I do do that. You do do that. Okay. But it, it doesn't always work right. Mm. Um, how do I explain this? For some reason, uh, a few releases ago, they sandboxed uh, the browser so much that one password couldn't really communicate with itself in the with its inline plugin. So it doesn't always pre-populate things correctly, mm. and so it just I'd have to go in and then I have to use the hotkey for the browser version plugin and do it anyway. So as much as I like one password and these things, I mean, they always seem to have quirks. That's yeah. And it'll get fixed on some release, and then on the next release, like something other, something else quirky comes up that just, you know, it's like the hotkey stopped working, so then I've got to do stuff manually for a while. And just until yeah. some other day, it just start, starts working again. I'm like, well, okay, that was fun. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, in one password, we have all these long names. And I can control the name of, naming of things, because I'm basically using um, SFDX. So I'm basically doing command line calls from Alfred into SFDX to 
to open one of my orgs. So it's one of it's an org that I've already registered and I have it there and I have it kind of short named. And so that's all I have to do is type in the short name and, yeah. and launch it. Anyway, back to my soundboard issue. So John was saying that I should have like eight sounds on a primary soundboard. Yes. And just use that. Pretty much that's all I use. Because Frago gives you the numbered hotkeys and everything. You just type in the number. Right. And it, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've got, it so it starts one through whatever. I actually, and I think you can you know do what? like command something in a number and it goes to your other boards. Yeah. So you command, command and the number goes to that board. So right. your number three board, your number four right. boards, command three, command four. And then within any given board, whatever board you have open, the top row, so that it lays out your soundboard in a, in a grid. Mm-hmm. It literally looks like an old school cart, card machine is what they call it in the radio business. And on the first top row, it that's those are your number keys, one through whatever, however wide it is. And the next row down is the QWERTY row on the keyboard. And the oh, third okay. row down is the ASTF. So it just row. matches so the you, keyboard mm-hmm. rows. And then once you get past Z, now you're in, now you're, what is it, option or alt? So it's it's yeah. option one row, op, op, option Q, option A, option Z. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if you know... Oh, the command F is, or sorry, option F is... Jeremy was right. ...one of the best sounds in the world, then, <laughs> you know, you can just hit that key. But I just, you know, anyway. They just didn't, they didn't implement, implement that search. It's just, I don't know why they haven't done it. Get it done, guys. Yeah. Just sees that someone posted, uh, I forgot who it was. I'm trying to find the post right now, but they implemented a soundboard in Salesforce. I think I did see that. Yeah. yeah I, I, didn't, I didn't dig into it, but... Soundboard force or something like that? Is that yeah. what it is? I don't know. What's what's it just you can put whatever sounds you want or what? Uh, I don't think you can put whatever sounds. It comes with like some sounds. Maybe you can. I don't remember. Does it have I any saw bar sounds video, on it? But it's on App Exchange. Um we should load it up with it some. It doesn't have sounds. any of ours, no. <clears throat> but I think the the kicker is that you can send audio to someone. So <laughs> do it like a chatter message? <laughs> Not a chatter. I think it's using platform events and things like that, but yeah. it's a little tool menu that sits down and you can send notifications but it gives you a lot of control options like don't ever play sounds or only play sounds for certain people or you know it's got a lot of options for for hmm. for the cool little thing it is so interesting yeah it's well thought out well john uh we are taking advantage of the the remaining loophole have you seen this that podcasts it's been in the news podcasts are the loophole the for loophole the for the what for the fake news um what is it called uh oh gosh um White supremacy, alt right, whatever you know, they have, because they can they can deplatform everyone else, but podcasts are still a problem because you know everyone's I guess you can host your files anywhere and it's too easy too easy it's too hard to deplatform people uh, that are or, pod- yeah that's running a podcast right. Yeah. Isn't so, that the so web in general? Because so you can have a web page for anything. No, but the, so, yeah, that's well as long as you find someone to host you, and I guess that's the that's the yeah, difficulty. You, yeah. Um, but no, that yeah, that I mean, legitimately, people are saying, "Oh yeah, podcasts that podcasts are a loophole. We got we got to fix this." And it's interesting because you know, there's been this um, effort for years. This is kind of unrelated. I mean, it's related. I don't really care about the loophole thing. It was just almost as a joke. But I will use it to segue into something, which <laughs> which is, uh, <laughs> you know, for years, um, you you've had these corporate interests that have tried to change podcasting into something that's more beneficial to to them. Mm-hmm. More, more commercializable, more you know, monitorable, and you know, get all the all the metrics they want, and force force you to be able to to have to listen to ads and you not be able to skip them. All they want all these things, right? And whether it's Spotify or um, what's the one that like, spun off of what's the what's the other big one? I mean, there's several of these big podcast 
net kind of networks companies now. What's the um? I can't even think of them now. I can't either. You're yeah. You're you're out of the. You don't ever pay attention to this stuff anyway. Bid podcast networks. You probably heard of them. Um, what, what were the ones that did the? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, the only other big one was five by five podcast company. Is it five by five? Yeah, it's five by five. Uh he's he's itty bitty. Um. Anyway, you so you have like you know, of course, the Twit one, right? Relay FM. I'm thinking of bigger ones than that, though. Um, I guess NPRs. Is, is there one Nerdist? Um, still not the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Gimlet. Gimlet. Mm. They're they're one of the big ones. Just tons of money. They they've dumped tons of money. But also Spotify with the, like the Rogan thing and all their stuff. But they all they have all been trying to co-opt podcasting and turn it into something that really no one except them wants. I mean, no one wants. I mean, most podcasters don't want that. I don't know. That's hard to say. I guess these people who are trying to monetize their own their own shows. Yeah. But even then, I haven't heard good things about networks. I mean, I know YouTube um, for a while there was was recruiting and building a ton of networks, not YouTube, but off company brands that were trying to create these networks of channels and uh not only did the creators hate it but it just it never materialized into something financially stable but so you've always had and and luckily we've had you know oddly enough apple defending the freedom of podcasts Mm -hmm. and it's something they gifted to us and never tried to really monetize right is that fair to say yeah they really haven't messed with it yeah and of course you have the whole podcast podcast index Type that whole type podcast of movement. Podcast 2.0 index. I think it's. I think podcast 2.0 is the is the is the podcast, but it's the podcast index is is the movement. But they're they're trying to do you know I mean their overall mission is to keep podcasts open, but also they're trying to integrate all kinds of they're trying to enhance the platform. The you know whether it's like adding more richer data richer things in the in the feed like the feed schema. Mm-hmm. To things like to micro payments, so you can set up and you can just say, "Hey, I want to give twenty bucks a month to the podcast I listen to," and you can set it. You know, the podcast player has to support this, but you can it can set it up so that based on like you know your listening time, you can set it. You can ha- have all these different rules on how you want to dole out your twenty bucks a month to different podcasts. But you can just you can do it based on like how much you listen to different ones, and it you know I think it's based on bitcoins or satoshi mm. or something, but um, satoshis, I guess is the plural. <clears throat> So, you know, so that you know, all these micropayments are trying to build that, but they're, but also just most importantly, is just preserving it as an open platform. But I will say, I'll tell you, between the corporate interests that are trying to take over podcasting and that combined with this current, like, I don't even know what you call this movement we're seeing right now, too, between like deplatforming every, everyone and, and, and all this stuff. I mean, so, so now like this, so, like a social, so combining corporate interests with this kind of mob. Mm-hmm. That wants to shut things down. You combine both of those, and that that could be enough to really put pressure on companies to do these things, to make these changes. Maybe pressure on Apple. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe Apple doesn't need pressure. Maybe they're just waiting for something like this. Who knows? I don't know. But it's uh, it's been in the news a lot. You're saying we'll survive as long as I, we can. <laughs> I don't know. We have to we have to watch ourselves, John. I'll watch ourselves. Um, well, well, let's get to some yeah some stuff. Did you say there was some release notes you wanted to talk about? There are some release notes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, why's my voice cracking like a? Oh no, going man. through puberty again. So. Did you hear that? Uh, Maybe the Benioff is going <laughs> to head out to Davos again. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's he's all 
he's all bought into the agenda 2021 and the great reset. How does that, how does that sound to you, John? The great reset. That sounds not Orwellian at all, does it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes a a nuke and reinstalls is what's needed. That's what we need. A new world order. Especially if you're running Windows. I do that all the time. A new world order defined by billionaires for us. I have a feeling no one's listening to us at this point. No, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you brought it up. (laughs) I did. I did. It was close to to Salesforce news. You were talking about uh, InDesign and stuff. This was in my notes in a while. I never got to it, so I'm just going to get to it. Um, So last year, the big big trend, which never really caught on, was new morphism. New morphism? I've never heard of that. Yeah, that, that's, we talked about it a little so bit. So obviously it's a play on skeuomorphism, right? Right. Okay. But neumorphism was kind of the, the design pattern was that you would create an element and it would kind of look like a, it was like a button would look like it was covered with a really thin silicone mat or something. And you, yeah, that yep. kind of design where it mm-hmm. kind of looks like it's just coming up out of the surface and not, not separate from the surface. I feel like material design kind of kicked that off a little bit. Yeah, all of these kind of play on, okay. on things like that. Um, so you, you had material, and then you had, um, well, before material, you had skeuomorphic design, which was kind of making things look like real things. Yes, yeah, stitched leather. And right. <laughs> and then material design took that a little bit further, and it was all about paper. So they, when they were designing material design, they physically cut and made pieces of paper of their icons and UI and everything and could laid they, them why, down. Could they not afford a, 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 a Creative Cloud subscription? They had to use paper for that. <laughs> they, they were going for realism. So uh, they actually physically I mean, <laughs> cut things out so they could see how the shadows look and, and, and do the different lighting. I mean, they paid, yeah. their design uh, team had well, a yeah. lot of fun <laughs> with a very big budget to, to come up with material design. So uh, you had that. And then last year, the big thing that was hope that we thought was going to be the big thing was new morphism, which was that what I just talked about that kind of interface elements coming out of the surface and not being distinctly separate from the surface. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the new one for this year <laughs> is a uh, glass morphism. So if you've ever seen uh, windows Vista and you know how your windows were clear, but you can kind of see behind them, they had that kind of translucency. It looked like a, like a big, big sheet of glass, okay. a window. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like the, the Mac dock, the dock bar that's kind of translucent, depending on what your settings are. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. mine's translucent. Yeah. So. Like, uh, what do you call that? Fogged glass kind of? Yeah, that's okay. a better way of describing it as a fog glass. So, so a lot of, there's, there's some new push for some new design elements on the web where it's kind of got that really white fog glass look, but it's got some transparency to it, some translucency to it, so you can see behind it. And uh, I have so. never, I, I tried to give that a chance, that whole concept. Mm-hmm. I, I've never found that useful. I never need to really see things behind it this yeah i mean and how good is it oh you can see that there's a green blob behind here but i have no idea what it says or what it is because it doesn't show yeah. you that i mean that's just it's just never been useful to me well even in the design mock-ups that you see it looks great in the design mock-ups because they purposely choose the background it demos well it demos as we well. say yeah it demos really <laughs> well but then then it has its flaws because then to, in order to read certain elements you have to have a full-on background and you know have that good contrast between the background and the text so that you can actually read and interact with it there's some that go too far and it's just the text with the translucency right behind it. And depending on what background is behind there, it could interfere with readability and stuff. So it's it's not a really great design, but it is something that's kind of being demoed and shown as, you know, look what look what cool thing I can make. And and the benefit of it being what? Is it better usability? Is it better you know, easier or a better contrast? 
I don't really know what the the push for it is or or the inception other than it's just a cool technique. We have the technology to do it and computers mm. can run it and they can do it and so why not? Yeah. It's kind of like my Linux compositing window manager that you could when you alt tab between applications yeah. you would spin around it's like do I need this? Nope. Is this add any value? <laughs> nope. It's just really cool. But I do think there is some I mean if I, if I had to pull an argument out of my butt it would be it would be the 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 light versus dark modes because depending on how you like your UI you can adjust the transparency and you you don't have to rely too much on background colors you can have because it's all translucent and everything it basically just automatically adapts and i felt the same way about new morphism which is because you could because of the way the buttons wore because they kind of came out of the surface and depending on what theme you could shine the light differently and you'd still get the same effect so it looked you could get the same nice effect with full white backgrounds or with full dark backgrounds and so I think that's kind of what's driving some of these trends is it's its ability to kind of adapt to both of those light and dark modes. But I mean, that's, that's a reach for glass morphism because it, it's really not that great. Yeah. Hmm. So that's my hot take on that glass morphism. Yeah. I don't know. I still like big old chunky buttons with huge drop, huge gaudy drop shadows. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the chiseled look, the uh, chiseled look of the Win Windows three was it Windows three? I don't know that had the chiseled look. Was oh the yeah. chiseled, yeah, yeah. And then you had the I guess we're calling it candy. Was it candy for Windows XP? I don't know. That was terrible though. Also, Windows was it Vista? Oh, Vista was I did not like Vista. Vista. Was, I didn't use Vista, terrible. but I remember seeing it and it just was not good. It had that kind of glass background, that kind of translucency thing. So I don't know. Well, John, if if you've noticed that it's been a little moist in the air, um, that's probably because a new cloud has formed. We have a new cloud. A new cloud. Are we talking computer cloud? Or are we talking <laughs> Salesforce announces? This may be even old. I don't know. No, this is today. Salesforce announces vaccine cloud to accelerate. <laughs> you can't make this up. Can we get through this headline? Hang on. Salesforce announces vaccine cloud to accelerate global vaccine management. They're going to make it rain vaccine. You just walk outside and take a bath. I don't know if I want needles raining down on me. No, it's just be the, the vaccine liquid just be oh, raining okay. down. Everyone just, just take, takes, a, takes a shower in it and Al we're done. Along with a fluoride? You can rain down fluoride yeah. and vaccines on us? Yeah, we'll just... Add those to the chemtrails. That's what we need to do. We just need to invent little clouds that just go through neighborhoods and just... And we have just, those, John. They're yeah. chemtrails. I don't know what chemtrails are. Are you serious? I've heard of them being like the tin hat kind of conspiracy thing. They totally thing, are, but I don't, yes. I, don't, I never looked into them. I was like, that's... It's <laughs> fine. Chemtrails, you're a conspiracy theorist. Uh, Goodbye. <laughs> okay. And then to that... <laughs> Should I be worried about chemtrails? <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Now you see. Now you're going to be just, just skeptical enough that you're going to start worrying about them. <laughs> no, I got enough to worry about. I'm done worrying about stuff. Okay. I, I don't care anymore. The world is going to do what the world is going to do. I'm. I can only worry about my own little circle. What do you want to hear about? Uh, the uh, vaccine cloud. Yes, yeah, so let's hear about the vaccine cloud. Okay. <clears throat> so Salesforce, which uh, if you didn't know, is a global leader in CRM. Are they? Yeah, you didn't mm -hmm. know that. No. How'd you not know that? I don't know. I Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. Uh, today announced the Vaccine Cloud to uh, its technology to help agencies, healthcare organizations, businesses, nonprofits, and educational institutions more rapidly, safely, and efficiently deploy and manage their vaccine programs. <laughs> Said that too <laughs> fast. Did you even take a breath? No, no. I didn't. 
Uh, let's see what else today. Bah, 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 bah. Uh, now that safe and effective COVID, do we know that they're effective? 19 vaccines are available. Every country, state, and city is rapidly establishing vaccine programs. Anyway, obviously we've had problems. Uh, I don't know what the problem is here. I guess scheduling and making sure people get their second dose. Anyway. I didn't realize it was a two-dose thing. But uh, there's been a lot of partners that have that have um, announced vaccine things also, like some of them based on Salesforce, and so I don't it's interesting that I don't know if I don't know if Salesforce is now Sherlocking those or what. I don't know. They could just be they both. <laughs> I'm sure some partners have implemented their own solutions, and and I'm sure some are saying, okay, we'll implement what Salesforce implemented. So it's it's hard. I mean, I don't blame them for wanting to get on in on, in on the vaccine industrial complex. No, no. I mean, I wish I could get in get on, gotten in. Wow, I can't speak today. I need to slow down. Yeah, I wish I could have gotten in on the testing industrial complex. That turned out to be a great business. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, I just I don't have the foresight. I don't see these things coming, John. No, nope. uh, you're many off. You no. Would, my though. problem is I'm not cynical enough. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm not. No, I'm literally not cynical enough. You're cynical. You're cynical no, as it, hell. No, it's like um. Well, uh, nothing in the news today. Uh, what's the guy's name that did uh, broadcast.com? Um. Oh, come on. I do not know these. He owns the Ma Dallas French. Mavericks. Oh, Cuban. 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 He announced today a new, he's got a new company, big thing, a generic drug company that's totally based on price transparency because apparently there's a ton of price fixing that goes on amongst the generic drug companies, which keeps generic drug prices much higher than they should be. Mm. Are you talking? So, so you, uh, here's, here's my point, though, because I want to bring it back. I want to get back to why I just brought this up is people are, these companies are cynical and honestly, just, I don't even know, I don't even know what the right word is for them. Terrible enough to have companies that are all around price fixing medicine. That's just sad. I don't know if that's I mean, cynicism. I it's think evil. It's greed. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe so. I mean, what is cynicism? The, the belief that um, all people are motivated by greed or people are too motivated by greed or whatever. I don't know. I just saw it as motivation by negative means, but I don't know. Um, but no, I mean, people, you know, they'll find any kind of which way to make money. Hmm. So. And they do. Yep. And I'm, unfortunately, I'll always be not rich because I can't do that. Stuff. Yeah, me neither. I, I, I can't do it. Well, I saw this really cool thing. Uh, it was in the news today, I think. There's and there's a company I hadn't heard of them before called Sequel, which I'm S E E K W E L L, and I believe it's a play on the word Sequel. But anyway, they had a blog post today, and it's called "Automating My Job with GPT-3." Now we've talked about GPT-3 before, right? Yes. Remind me. I'm sure we have. Well, so GPT-3 is the it's like natural language AI. Okay, yeah. Yep. So you can just yeah. give it a sentence, and it'll write a paper about it. Yeah. Or you can say. I mean, they even trained it to write like React code. You can just yeah. tell it, like, hey, I want something that does this, and it just, like, spits out all this code. And it's not trained on how to code. It doesn't know the syntax of anything. It's just based on <laughs> right. whatever, things that no one understands. Uh, but, you know, he has this blog post, and it's all about, like, asking, asking GPT-3 questions um, that need to be answered in SQL statements. 
And there's just all these examples, and it, it gets crazier and crazier and crazier as you read more. So it starts out with something simple, like how many users signed up in the past month? And it writes, I guess, you know, sing, single, simple SQL statement. Select count from, or, or asterisk from users where blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And then he gets into stuff like, how much revenue did we have in the past seven days? And that's a little bit more complicated. And then it gets into things like, what was the largest payment amount? in the past 30 days? Or when did the user with the email, you know, blah, 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 make his last payment? Um, let's see. Here we go. How much revenue have we received from users with an email ending in blah, blah, blah in the last three months? I'm trying to get down further here, so I'm scrolling as fast as I can. But <laughs> this is crazy. How much revenue did we have in each of the last two months. Now that involves like window functions and stuff. And it just, it's spitting out these correct SQL statements. And my thought was, well, this is really cool. I mean, obviously this GPT-3 is going to put a lot of people out of jobs. But one thing it puts out of a job is all, you know, these business intelligence tools over the past five years or so have gotten quite a bit better at these, at natural language mm -hmm. queries. I mean, it just immediately commoditized all those. Right. I mean, I guess that maybe that's a normal just life cycle of products is that what's innovative at first becomes commonplace. And, and you and you yeah. get your you get your um your traction out of it. No, what's the word? Your mileage. You get your mm -hmm. mileage out of it. But then you know, this is technology right. So in two or three years it's you're not gonna it's no longer a selling feature because it's table stakes. And you hopefully have moved on to whatever is the next innovative thing. Right. But yeah, just and I also wonder how much better it's going to be. Because those are the ones I've used. And I've used several of them. I mean, I've seen like Tableau, Power BI, different. Um, Einstein Analytics has one. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry, Tableau CRM. That's what it's called yeah. now. And they're, they're okay. I mean, they're, they're, they can be pretty useful. But I mean, a lot of times it's just, it's, they get, it gets the simple, they, they're pretty good at the simple things. You have to know how to ask the right question. Kind of. Yeah. And, and it's also just, it's just limited on how complex of a query it's going gonna, it's gonna to make right. for you. Uh, but this, I mean, I actually think this, what I'm seeing here from GPT-3 is quite a bit, like a whole set of additional levels innovative than all the uh, existing stuff I've seen. So anyway, I'll put it in the show notes because it's crazy impressive. Thoughts from John Santiago. I was thinking some thoughts because I was trying to wonder, does that type of query and that type of technology cause security holes? And the fact that you have this system that has access to all this data, and it, if you ask the question the right way, you can get access to some some data that you probably shouldn't. But I'm, I'm hoping that for each question you ask, depending on your credentials, you'd, you'd only get access to data that you're allowed to. But Right. So you... I mean, I think this is still security is up to you. Like, you know, you need to give your database user accounts appropriate access. Yeah. Like, so if you don't want, if someone shouldn't be able to drop a database, don't give them drop database permissions. All right. Yeah. <laughs> or if they shouldn't have I mean, I guess this tables. is ultimately creating a query and not running, get returning yeah. the data itself. And remember still. this, this, this is machine learning stuff. I mean, it doesn't even understand the, it doesn't understand the query it's creating. It just knows by looking at like billions of queries and stuff. And it's just trained and knows how to, just like, you know, it doesn't understand React code or JavaScript, but it can, it can spit out some working React um, components with working JavaScript that does mm. what you asked it to do. 
Yeah, Even so, though it doesn't so, understand those. So it works just like every other developer out there. <laughs> Pretty much. You just keep hacking <laughs> Google, it until... Google, how do I do yeah. this? Copy, paste. <laughs> keep hacking it until it actually compiles and yeah. then, then you... Uh, a little trial and error yeah. coding. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. You move it from the in, in development to done column. Yeah. Although there is something to be said for recognizing your code. I mean, that, that's that's always been a shock to me. Not a shock, but it's always a surprise. And I don't know... You know, do, do, is it a positive surprise or is it a negative surprise when you recognize your code somewhere that you didn't put in that place? Hmm. I'm not sure what you mean. You've never worked with a client and, well, maybe not because your blog is private. <laughs> That's true. It's my private Evernote account. So, yeah, if you, if you have a public Git repo and you have uh, blogs where you give code examples and tutorials and things like that, it's, it's funny to to come across your code out in the wild and see oh. it and go, I recognize that. I yeah. think I wrote that. Yeah. What was your famous article? Something about page controllers or something? I don't, I don't remember. Know. I have a bunch of them. You had one I used about. to be a goldmine of, of good ideas, but <laughs> nowadays, <laughs> nowadays I'm, I'm under NDA. How's, um, <laughs> how's iterative logic doing these days? It's still there. Is it I really? just haven't added anything. Let's take I a want look. to, but I'm busy. Dot com? I'm busy. <laughs> you got life. Developer-focused stories, tutorials, tips, and random thoughts centered around the Salesforce.com. Oh, it's a Salesforce blog, John. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go. Last last update. I switched from Ghost to WordPress 2014, <laughs> and then I didn't do anything after that. <laughs> That's not, that wasn't the last one. Was I think it? it was second to last, actually. Second to last, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. How's, how's that Ghost working out for you? It's running great. I haven't had to touch it. It's still there. I would ask you what the new post experience is like on it, but you haven't. I don't think you've done any new posts, so <laughs> it's nice. Is it? Yeah. That's what. That's a um, static SSG, right, or whatever. Yeah, it's a static. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can you you can write your blog posts in Markdown, so that's why I liked it so much. It's a it's a nice looking. Um, I used to put our episodes in here. Hmm. I used to put our episodes in here yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> the last one was. 2013, I think. I know. I'm a, I'm a slacker. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it looks good, though. You should uh, put some stuff here. It's even got an RSS feed for those people who uh, use RSS readers. I hear they're getting more popular again. It's coming back. I reinstalled my, RS, my, my reader. What's the good one nowadays? Reader. Reader? Reader. Google Reader? No, just Reader. Oh. Go to App Store and type in Reader. Not, it's, um, I, what, did I, what was I using? What's the other one that got popular after Google? Is it Feedly? Feedly. 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 Yeah. Okay. I think I tried that. But Reader got better because it can use iCloud to to store your feeds. Because Reader, the problem with Reader is it relied on another service. It basically was just like a front end to whatever service you're using to aggregate your feeds. Mm -hmm. But now it's hooked into iCloud. So now I can have a private, I basically it stores all my data on the iCloud. On the iCloud. The iCloud. I'm like such an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> stores it on that there iCloud thingy uh, with the Twitters. <laughs> uh, but now I can use just basically my own iCloud as, as the back end and I don't have to worry about signing on to another service. So I can basically consume all my feeds with it because it is my it was my favorite, except for the fact that I had to link it to a service. Mm -hmm. But now that I can use iCloud, I don't Gosh, have to do that. This makes me this makes me want to restart my Oh I did because my the I used to use like Apple News. Even though you can customize it, it still forces certain news topics on you because it's curated. Mm. And the yeah. same with um, that's, that's, Flipboard, that's to get which you I out of your echo chamber, John. I uh, that's some there's some value to that. There is, but I mean, I, I like I just want to focus on tech stuff. Yeah. I don't want like the other news because if I want the other news, I can go somewhere else to get the other news. I just right. want to focus on tech news. Yep. Um, and so 
so yeah, I stopped using those kind of other services because mixed in with my tech news was all this other stuff that was pissing me off. So <laughs> I didn't want to read it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I installed that about uh, last week, actually. Hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's a pay product. I had to buy it again, but yeah. I was, I was ha I'm happy with it. Yep. I got a few uh, Reddit feeds in there and following some of the people that I used to follow a long time ago that I haven't followed in a while. Um, so, yeah. Your Siri is doing something. Oh, it's, it was... She's listening. listening to everything I just said and yep. typed it out on my watch. <laughs> That's useful. <laughs> huh. Okay. Well, what on, John, what's on your... We need your release notes or what? What else did you... Yeah, we'll do release notes. Um, I don't know... This is more of a rant, but lately I have not been able to deploy uh, custom metadata types effectively. So custom metadata types, the big difference, I always have to remind myself of this, is that you actually deploy the, the records in the, meta, in the metadata itself. Whereas yeah. with, what is it called? Custom, custom settings, settings. The data is separate. It's like loaded via basically the, the data APIs. Yeah, there's there's... It's treated more like data records than yeah, than settings, right? Yeah, <clears throat> but I use I use custom metadata types everywhere because they're settings, and we need to deploy those settings from environment to environment. Um, but lately, if I add a new field or change something, basically when I add new fields is is the main thing. Even though I have all the new fields, the original object, the page layouts, and everything in my deployment package. Uh, it throws throws to error. It throws a bunch of errors saying that that field doesn't exist. And I've tried, you know, migrating them separately, migrating them individually, and I kept getting errors back. And I, I haven't had the time to mess with it and find out why it's doing that or what I need to do. All I know is that it's cost me plenty of time trying to deploy those, only for it to say it doesn't recognize it. But I've never had that problem before. I've always been able to deploy them just fine. It just seems like recently in the last release or two releases where that's been an issue. So what I end up having to do is go into that other environment that I'm promoting into, create the fields manually, then deploy everything so that everything will work, and that works. So I really don't know what the issue is with adding new fields to an object. Hmm. Have you filed a bug or asked anyone? No, like I said, I haven't. Do we know? Maybe try to... I, I like this thing of trying to find out who the PM, the, the related PM is, or even um, one of the many... What are they called nowadays? Well, we don't call them evangelists anymore. Um, Relations people, Dev developer relations people. I mean, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Evan we don't call them evangelists anymore. I think I don't think so. I mean, it's something that I need to look into. And but the thing is with, well, the thing is with anything, Salesforce included, is I have to be able to reproduce it, and I have to be able to take the time and show the steps and document it and send it to someone so that they can help me. And I, and ideally, I just you can give them the simplest test case possible that shows the bug yeah. and just like hey here's here's a metadata.x what's it called no met what's the xml called metadata.xml yeah okay is it really yeah okay it's like or it's here. meta xml or something i don't know yeah anyway you can just give them say here this this will you'll see the bug just run this and in, in, in any developer work i know but it's frustrating because i've done that i've done that before only to have them come back and go i need we need let's set up a let's set up a meeting and let's walk through it and i'm like dude it's right there I gave you well, all that's, the instructions. That's if you go through support, yeah. I yeah. know. Um, well, the other frustrating thing is when they're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that sucks. But no one else has said anything, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Until, you know. I got, I got the that's the way it's supposed to work thing, and I'm like, but that doesn't make sense. Oh, that's, that's different, actually. Um, that's no, it was that's frustrating, real, too. But it was, a real, it was a real issue, and it was a real bug, but they didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. And so they kind of blew me off with that. 
I mean, they do have to prioritize things, but I guess. But yeah, I don't know. It just it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. So when it comes to that, I just know it's a daunting task to say I found this issue and document it and do all that. Not that I'm not going to, but it's just it's. Uh, I noticed it. It happened to me once, and I thought, well, maybe it's just a fluke. But then it happened again uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it happened again today, which is why it's fresh on my memory of something that I need to, I guess, report because it seems to be a thing. Yeah. <clears throat> That's, uh, deploying is always but I also need to tr because we've got all these different ways to deploy things now I also got to see is it a tooling API thing does it work if I do it under metadata metadata deploy and not tooling does it work if I do it as a chain set you know I don't I, now I have all these different things to explore to see what where it fails and why it fails yeah so I feel like I'm doing someone else's job <laughs> at that point <laughs> but uh anyways uh, there's a new developer survey out. Uh, someone posted that on our Slack channel. I'll put it in the show notes so you guys can take it. But uh, the one thing that frustrates me about the Salesforce and developers is they always come at it from the perspective that you're the customer developer. Does that make sense? Like, how, what percentage of developers do you think work for a company versus work for a partner? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I would say developers favor the partner side than they do the, the company side. So you think... More developers, more Salesforce developers work for partners than for end customers? Yes. Okay. But the way these questions are always worded and geared towards, it's like, I can't answer that. It's like, what industry are you in? I'm in the Salesforce industry. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't everyone? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the industries, I mean, you can get into like financial services and all that kind of stuff. But then they start getting into specifics like the products you use. I'm like, it's whatever my clients want to use. It's like, no, I... I don't use this, but my clients do. I don't use this, but my clients do. And there was a ton of questions about what products you use and whether or not you've heard of them and things like that on the survey. So it, that type of stuff was I didn't want to see in a developer-centric or what I thought was going to be a developer-centric um, survey. But there was other things that were developer-centric, like what languages are you feel familiar with, what frameworks are you familiar with, how familiar are you with the design system and things like that. So it's not it's a it's a worthwhile survey, and I'd want to see the results because I want to be able to talk about them. But um, hmm. yeah, it's out there. I was just kind of peeved about some of the questions about product usage because I, I can't answer that. I'm a partner. Yeah, is is there at least an option like this doesn't apply to me? Right? No, it's just <laughs> yeah, that... have you heard of it or not? And then even the options were kind of weird because it was either you've never heard of it or you've heard of it but you've never used it or evaluated or rejected or like and I was like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Could have been done better, but it's out there. I'll tell you, surveys are incredibly difficult to design properly so that you have it there, so that they're sound really amongst two dimensions uh, psychological and statistical. Mm -hmm. And I just, you hardly ever see them done right. I rarely see a properly designed and administered survey. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. Talk about release notes. Yeah, I mean, I'm just waiting. I keep asking. I'm not going to ask you again, John. I'm just tell you like that's the way I tell my kids. I'm not going to ask you again. I had topics and I talked about my topics, so I'm going to get to release notes next. I thought that was a topic. It is, but you're messing with me. Okay. Uh, so I didn't. I didn't go through everything. Like I didn't go into some of the product specific stuff. I kind of. It's too big. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do like the new format. Um, where do I see this? Salesforce. What's the What's the release called? Uh, spring 21. Spring 21. You want a link? I think I found it. Taking me to help. Is yeah. it in help? Yeah. Is it? 
Okay. Yeah, so we talked about this before, how they're removing the release notes away from the previous tool, online tool, and into basically help. And, and help also is kind of new with the way it looks and works and acts. Um, it has some bugs in it, but still, I like the format. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you can still select which release because it's got a little drop down. And I thought I heard someone say the PDFs were going away, and that doesn't seem to be the case. There's still a big old PDF, download PDF button right next to it, so... For people like Jeremy, who likes to collect release notes, I do. I'm it. I, I'm. It's like, um, yeah, I'm a hoarder. I hoard. You probably them. have enough to create like a wallpaper. You should of see. release note oh, I've, uh, I've, front covers. I've got gigabytes of Salesforce PDFs. I'm serious. <laughs> I need. I have a, an entire Synology that uh, had to. You should do a collage of all the release note icons or front pages. Now the question is, how does this look on a mobile device? Oh, I don't know. I there's two that. things. Just like there's like, how does it work on mobile, and then. Who's reading release notes? And how does it work when I don't have good internet? Can I still use them in a in a good way? You should be able to. Okay, so on mobile, all right, the the left column navigation collapses up in nope, it actually just goes away completely, I guess. It's mm. you should get an option to open it back up. Yeah, you don't no, you don't get the that left column at all. You don't get it. Um which is interesting. Hmm. Anyway. Well, I have not tested it on mobile. Yeah, and it so also, you, you can see how well this renders, which is to say, it does not render right at all. Oh, wow, it's totally broken. Yeah. So this is, is that Safari browser or is that Chrome browser? That's just Safari. Huh. Maybe it's a Safari thing? Either way, it didn't, roll, it didn't render, render. Ugh. Did not render correctly, just like my words did not render. <laughs> mobile first, John. Mobile first. When, when did they announce that? How many years ago was that? Ten years ago? Something like that. <laughs> mobile first is hard. It's expensive. It is hard. It's hard and it's expensive. And what was the yeah? And 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 is is it a lie? Yeah. Does it even work? Yeah. What are the, what are the compromises? Yeah. Anyway, you got to have all your icons and your headers so they can put the app onto their their desktop screen. How many people you know puts a web app on their desktop screen or on their mobile screen? A web app? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but these progressive apps are getting way better. I do know that. Yeah, I guess. Like my brewing app is a progressive app. It's the same app that look, whether you're on your computer browser or whether you use the app on the phone, which it does install from the app store. Mm -hmm. But it's it's the same progressive. It's the same app. Yeah. It's the same code. It's it's all like a, you know, it's probably React or something. Works great. I mean, it's not super native, you know, but it is so much better than every other brewing solution out there. Mm -hmm. that, that do have either crappy native apps, really crappy native apps, or... It's just like a wrapper around their web page, which is not progressive. Right. So. Yeah. Again, it's compromised, but it, it's, in this case, done really well. It can be done well. Okay. That was a hell of a rat hole. Let's get back to release notes. <laughs> well, I did skip some of the kind of beginning boilerplate versioning stuff and support things. Now I, want you, I want the good stuff, John. The good stuff. Well, I don't know what's good or not. I just can go through and we I mean, can, you can tell me if it's good or not. No, my trailhead is back. I'm just clicking around because I'm waiting for you. Let's go. You are so impatient. I, I can't am. get a word out. I can't I say anything before is, you start jumping John, in. we're on the air. We're on the air. It's not live. It's yeah, it kind of is. I'm not going to edit this, so. <laughs> All right. So how about multi-field selection on your reports? How about that? The ability to kind of select multiple fields and drag them onto your report screen. That's a nice little You can't drag multiple post. fields right now? You no. got to do them one at a time? One at a time. Yeah. I haven't spent too much time building reports, but I remember that being a pain when I did have to build it. Yeah. 
Um, in fact, I was I wanted just like a bunch of checkboxes and move them over, but that's nice. So we're starting to see with this one, we're starting to see a lot more improvements to kind of certain UI productivity features. So that's kind of nice to see some of this stuff coming forward. Um, what anything else UI productivity wise besides that? Yeah, there's some. I just have to get down to the list. In the setup stuff, is that just going to be remaining classic hell, hell forever? <laughs> that's a hodgepodge of everything still, <laughs> and it's annoying. It's it's a it's a melting pot. <laughs> it is a melting pot because as even though we have some that are already been lightningified, I'll say mm-hmm. um, those some of those are are old now. Like the the newer UI interfaces oh. look different now. Yeah, yeah. like they're they on a previous version of the design system or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they hard coded to the, uh, the to the version CSS <laughs> file. <laughs> yeah, they're just showing their age. It's you know. <laughs> They're so far behind that it's tough to get everything caught up. So, um, well, you already mentioned this one, but uh, in here it reiterates that Einstein Analytics is now Tableau CRM, which, okay. Einstein yeah, Analytics just sounds in... cooler than Tableau CRM. Yeah, in but... fact, it's such a misnomer, CRM. No, it's, well, okay. This is my understanding. And they announced this in October, by the way. So no, I know, it's not, but it's um... it's going to be in this release. That's the official changing of the name right so you know i mean salesforce bought tableau i mean yeah it's it's a good platform but also they they got a lot of customers and revenue with that it's it's not that einstein analytics wasn't a capable project i, I feel like einstein analytics is a capable product it, it may not be it may not have every you know complete feature parity with something like tableau mm-hmm. but it was you know it's still really good and i would say close enough and for your typical salesforce customer totally fine you know well, uh, this isn't saying that analytics is going away. It's, I, it's I still analytics. Well, it's just my point. Um, so they they bought Tableau, not not necessarily because they had a feature gap. Just it was a business and market share thing. Okay, just my that's my take on it. So now they have the problem. Those they have they got two competing solutions, and Tableau CRM or Einstein Analytics, right? It's, does it's it's it is tightly way more tightly integrated into Salesforce than Tableau was or is. So that's one problem. So you, you, what am I saying is like, you have, you have two solutions and we've, you know, of course I've been complaining about this for years now or a year, however long it's been that I don't know. I don't know what to tell my customers. I don't even know. I can't, you can't get the proper, you can't get coherent messaging out of Salesforce on what, what's the guidance. So what, what are my, what's the decision tree look like? I mean, you can kind of, but mm-hmm. it's still confusing and it's just not, it's not ideal. And we already have the marketing cloud part thing, which is just endless confusion. Yeah. Um, and we have another one. Um, so they don't want to get rid of them because Tableau has tons of customers and Tab- and Einstein Analytics uh, has enough customers and migrating is difficult. And it has unique, you know, value-added, you know, deep integration in Salesforce that Tableau does not have. So what do you do? Just rename them, rebrand them to the same thing. So that's what they've done. That, And, and eventually, somehow or another, they probably will, these things will be so merged you won't be able to tell one from the other. Well, that would be the hope. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the slow. I mean, if you read the press release from a few months ago, I mean, they, that's what they talk about is they, they kind of, in an abstract way, draw this convergence picture. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, start course, it starts with, you know, skin deep with branding and things, which they've done. Yeah. But they talk about, you know, doing that at a more core or at least feature level too. So, and, and uh, you know, the, and then the thing will be just merging the licensing, essentially. Like you just, you, you buy tableau and you just you get you get them well that's not the way i see i see tableau crm as being tableau light like really what when you say tableau that's crm they what, position you're, it, what you're really saying is tableau for crm 
Okay. But that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, except it's not. Cause you're not getting Tableau. You're getting Einstein no. analytics. You're getting Einstein analytics. branded as Tableau. Right, right. Meaning just that, like, I mean, cause this is another one of my, on the list experience cloud. You're not getting a new right. community system. It's, it's the same community system. It's just rebranded. My interpretation is, you know, there's two tableaus. One of them is really well integrated into the CRM, and one of them is okay integrated into the CRM. Um, Tableau, however, just because you have Tableau CRM doesn't mean that that's all it does. A CRM. I mean, Tab Tableau CRM is quite capable in terms of its integration capabilities with all kinds of data sources. I mean, you can do heavy hitting stuff, some pretty significant data engineering with Tableau CRM. You would know. Because you just did a bunch of it, right? I mean, not. I mean, I do some Einstein analytics stuff, but not not a ton. I mean, when I have to. I mean, I help more on the. Not on like the, last month or so, you're really into it for a while. Yeah, more just on the again on the data engineering stuff. Like we mm -hmm. have just insane amounts of data across these different you know ODSs and data lakes and everything. And so how do we how do we get it into Einstein or into Tableau CRM? Should we get it Einstein or into God? I can't even say it. I can't keep it straight. I give up. I'm done. <laughs> Have the same problem. Oh. I can't say experience cloud. I, I'm getting better at it, but uh, yeah, I can't say it. Anyway, um, so was there anything substantial about the Tableau Serum? Was it? No, those were just name notable okay. name changes, right. things that are going to go into effect with this next release. Um, so this next one kind of bugs me because they're implementing a new build your own template, but it's only available for certain types. Um, you have to have like you have to have the Salesforce CMS product, uh, which is a content management system, to use this particular theme. Um, the and the reason I say that I'm kind of upset about that is be is because this new template is fully lightning. It's fully lightning compatible in terms of theming and everything. Okay. Whereas the current build your own template, um, in order to templatize everything, you have to build Aura. So you're, you're kind of working with a combination of Aura for your main theming components and then Lightning for your actual components, if that makes sense. Um, and I was hoping that this would kind of unify that for me and I would only have to build in Lightning without having to get Aura involved. Because mm -hmm. there's also this issue with um, building the application and having messaging and communication with, every, with all these components, which is not solved yet. Although I think in this release, and I think it's in here, we're supposed to get a beta version of the messaging system. Yes. We'll, come, we'll get to that. Um, so there is a there is a new template, but it, apparently it's only usable if you have the purchased the Salesforce CMS licenses. Oh, I'm glad that's you that has to deal with all that, not me. <laughs> it's gotten better than it used to be, though. The fact that I can at least create my own template from scratch and have my own so what kind there, of templates are these? I, I kind of missed that part of it. So these are whenever you create a community. Community on, templates. on experience oh, cloud okay and <laughs> okay which is community right okay yeah and so you get these pre-built templates so you can get a pre-built service one or whatever or you can use the build your own which means you're going to build your own custom uh site mm, okay. um, and the way you customize the theming for that is you create aura components and then with certain targets and things like that which tell it it can be used as the theme for this site okay so not a big deal to have to do it in aura it's just code in different places and Aura's older technology and supposed to be going away and all that kind of stuff. So the more I have to build on it, the, the less I, the less I want to do it. Uh, so yeah, that brings us to uh, the messaging service. So we have the messaging service in Salesforce native proper. 
but we don't have the messaging service in communities. And so what that is messaging service does, it lets you communicate, cross-communicate with components on the screen. Okay. It's like a, almost like a, it's like a message bus in a way. Yeah, like, exactly. The, is there like kind of topics or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you do have to kind of, I think they're called topics or message types or something. I forgot what they're called, but you basically, there's no, there's no, at least I don't think there is because all the instructions I've found, because I've only had to do this once or twice, but in building a community, I really needed to use it. But you have to create these topics or something, but you have to do it in metadata. Like there's no point and click way to create that. You have to create the metadata file and then deploy it. I could be wrong, but that's the way I had to do it. Okay. Um, but once you have that, then you can reference it in the messaging system and basically broadcast your message out. And anything subscribed to that message can can basically respond to it and consume the data that's in the packet and, yep. and do all your events. Um, where that's important, at least for communities, is that I have all these components and they're isolated. And I don't have any way for them to communicate with each other, especially since my overarching template is an aura. So now I'm communicating between Lightning and Aura. There is a solution, kind of a pre-built solution to this that um, is out in the community. I think Peter Chittum built it, um, or at least propagated it to everyone. And that's what I'm using now. But it's basically a homegrown messaging system where you just create a bunch of um, an array in in the global namespace of JavaScript, and you put things there and things subscribe to it and subscribe to the events and all that kind of stuff. So it's just basically a hard-coded way of doing that. But yeah, and this is this is one of these things that you know we've been solving over and I mean I remember back in the gosh, well I mean discuss this is a decades old you know type literally architecture mm -hmm. um, whether you know like the observer pattern or whatever but I remember even in the in the uh, back in the Adobe Flex days when that was still new there was what yeah. was that framework the I think it was Karen Gorm and they it, it had this architecture of um, Kind of global events, and <clears throat> any component could subscribe to whatever types of events it was interested in. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And again, it's, it solves the problem of you got a bunch of things, and you need to be able to communicate with each other, but you don't want them to have to know about each other. Right. Yep. Yeah. And there's also kind of a nesting issue as well. Like there's certain because uh, you can use someone might say that you can use event propagation and things like that but there's a hierarchy to it and once you're outside of that hierarchy you can't communicate with each other so if i have my top level component and it's got a child component sure my child component can raise an event that my parent component can listen to and that's fine that works today the problem is if i have an isolated component somewhere else that's so there's not, not part a global there's not a global bus right and that's what this would be is that global okay. bus to yeah. allow me to communicate between the two mm -hmm. so so i'm looking now, forward I mean, to like that. maybe if every and, you know, if, if every component needed to know, for example, like, okay, we're about to, we're, like, say someone clicks a button that's going to switch screens, and maybe every component gets a chance to weigh in on, okay, about to switch screens, what do I need to do? Like, maybe some kind of cleanup logic or caching something or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's a, some kind of message you'd like to be able to send to everything, no matter how deeply it, it is nested. Right. Yeah, or even just refresh themselves. Like, a, in my use case, I, <clears throat> someone changes a value on one one component. But I have graphs and charts and uh, maybe event history that's that's being displayed, and I need all those things to refresh. And I don't want I don't want to have to combine all those into one component just so that they can communicate. I want them to remain separate. That way, um, using the builder tool, an admin or whoever can go in and move those things around and, and change them the way they want to. But they should still function the way I intend them to. Yeah. Um, so that's that's why this is really important because I didn't want to create a an SPA component. That represented the whole site. I want it to be components. I want it to be drag and dropped and put wherever you want. Mm. Um, so that's where having this helps out with that. 
Uh, I think anyone who's been doing communities uh, has already been dealing with this and should have their ducks in a row, but the uh, security policies for a guest account are going to get enforced even more. Um, so that's caused some problems for, for some legacy stuff that used the guest account to do some things. And, and even just kind of provisioning access, read-only access to certain objects has been kind of interesting because you have to create the... You have to create a guest manual share or a sharing rule or something for that so they can have access to it. But I mean, it's all in the interest of security. So I'm not against it. It's just something to, to be aware of to make sure to test all your uh, public facing sites that don't have authentication. Make sure they're still working correctly. Uh, I skipped mobile and I skipped some of the sustainability stuff. Wasn't interested in that. Uh, flows. 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 You know, I. I'm growing to like flows a little bit these days. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the flow addict can say, we told you so, John. Yeah, they can say that. I, I still think that in depending on what you're doing and how you build it, you're, you're going to, here, here's my take on it is your flow natics. I'm not going to say that people who build flows, <laughs> when you write a flow, you're going to run into the same things that we ran into as developers, which is performance, um, when things kind of run over and over again and having to deal with that um, query limits, all those kind of things that we've had to deal with. And we've, we've um, kind of engineered, engineered around, around mm -hmm. uh, you're going to experience in flow. So sure. read, read developer blogs, read anything that talks about trigger issues or limit issues. Um, even if it's apex code ref referenced, because you're gonna have to deal with that in flows. You want to, you want to hear what the fundamental problem with flows as, a, as related to, its stated benefit is okay. it's still just a declarative language. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to hear about that mess, go listen to, it's been discussed on several episodes, but there's one in particular where James Ward really takes down uh, declarative languages mm. in, what's the podcast called? We talked about it before. Happy Path Programming. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, that was that was not in my mind. Also, they talk about they 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 both like Kotlin quite a bit. And Bruce Eckel, who's his podcasting partner on that podcast, they just he just released his book, and he's the guy who's famous for like thinking in Java. He's like a, one of these guys has a really good ability to really go entirely through a topic, and then dis and teach it really well in a book. Mm. But anyway, uh, he's got some some Kotlin. Uh, I forget what it's called now. A Kotlin book that I I think I'm gonna order order because. Um, as much as I've used Kotlin, which is quite a bit, I still feel Atomic Kotlin is what it's called. Atomic Kotlin. Mm. Um, there's just still so much to learn about yeah. Kotlin for me. Anyway. Oh, shoot. What? So, uh, I'll get as far as I can. My battery's low. I gotta go anyway. Okay. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you don't get my texts. No. All right. Well, well flows are getting better. Um, there's, you'll be able to gain access to the prior values which was something that i was was a drawback in flows um because once you got triggered flows that was fine but you couldn't really do the is change type thing mm. um, because you didn't get that so now that's coming into it um uh, multi-column select flows so there's going to be some new layout techniques in flow for screen layouts that will let you add multiple columns and things like that so that'll be nice uh, the flow builder itself, if you turn it on in the beta features, you'll have the new kind of look and feel, which is much nicer, much clearer. And the tip system for flows is really nice. I made a 
dumb mistake and I could not see it for the life of me. Mm-hmm. And I happened to notice there's a little tip icon on the bottom oh, and a little yeah. toolbar. I clicked on it and said, hey, close your loop. Dummy. Did I say dummy? It should have. <laughs> because I saw that and I was like, holy crap, I did not close my loop. And that's why nothing was working. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's not bad. Yeah, um, I've had to deal with it just because uh, some of our people have been using flows and they've gone, it's not working or I need need to do this. I'm like, okay, I'll go take a look. Yep. I'm dangerous enough with flows. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've been forced to use it and I'm, I'm not hating it. Yeah. I think orchestration is still going to be an issue just like it is with triggers and all that kind of stuff. But it's still going to have the same problems. Yep. We have to find yep. a way some kind of best practice to orchestrate these flows and and triggers together somehow. That's still a big issue. Yep. Um, I'll just kind of go through this pretty quickly since you got to go. Uh, geez, I have to click on each one. What, do you have like opaque, opaque links that you can't tell what they're for or what? Well, because I click the links because the headers are too big. It's in that. Mm, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll get to use custom labels uh, in App Builder now, which is nice. Which what is can... App Builder? So the App Builder is anytime you're designing a Lightning page. So if you create a record page oh, or something like that. Yeah, okay. Um, we're we're now getting merge fields now that will let us do the custom field labels, which we couldn't do before. Mm. So that's a big plus. Um, share records. Uh, you don't have to go into Classic to click the manage share or manual share button anymore. Mm. You, that should be coming in this new UI. Um, access to custom. I don't remember what this one was about. Uh, anyways, let's get to some developer stuff. Uh, the transaction finalizers will be in beta in this release, so we'll get to. God, those are still not in beta yet. Well, I think they were they were a um, pilot only, okay. and I think they're going beta. Um, and hopefully, next time we'll get so, GA. So, to, to be clear, these are. Um... What are they called? Transaction finalizers? Mm-hmm. But they're really cubable finalizers. <laughs> yes. They're just named incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is what gives us the ability to kind of run code after after the after the queue job succeeds, yeah. or I'm sorry, after it finishes, regardless if it succeeded or failed. Yeah. Um, even if there's an error, right? So like if it bails out and there's an error, we'll still get this event. Whereas right now, if you have a, there's no finisher that will let you kind of finish everything up, all the different queued batches. Um, some performance enhancements. Uh, oh, the org dependent. We I mentioned this a little bit on how uh, we had a new third third packaging type. I think I said that in the last episode. And the, the net third third type is the org dependent packaging type. Mm, yep. Um, I'd be really curious to hear what Chuck says about that because I remember he had mentioned when he was last on the show that he was he went gung ho and tried to implement his entire org using packages oh, to yeah, manage yeah. modules, but he ran into so many issues. And I wonder if this will solve many of his issues because essentially it doesn't infer the dependencies until you try to install that package, versus whenever you create the package, it tries to test everything and ensure that all the dependencies are there. Um, with this one, it doesn't do it until it installs, which means that you you don't have to include everything in that package. It can be a very small, isolated package of functionality. But when it goes to install somewhere, any dependencies that it has, it'll it'll infer them at that point. Um, uh, you'll be able to track changes between uh, local projects and sandbox. So that's the feature to enable ch- uh, change tracking on your sandboxes, on your developer sandboxes. I don't think that that's changed. It still has to be a developer pro or developer 
I think developer pro sandbox for for a change tracking for change tracking on sandboxes. Okay. Um, so that'll be G GA with this release. It, we have it today as beta, but it'll be GA in the next one. Gotcha. Um, styling hooks. We talked a little bit about that with um, Stephen, 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 Stephen. Um, we talked about that a little bit on that. So those will be on this release as well. So that's the ability to kind of change uh, certain UI elements and how they're styled using hooks. Uh, and in this release, we should see the uh, release of the new SQL, SQL features, which lets you do fields, all fields standard and fields custom, um, to basically include those fields into your query. Hmm. So they're kind of giving you the asterisk? Kind of, yeah. yeah. I, that surprises me. Yeah. Uh, so that was I still try, I try not to. I try not to ever use, uh, even in SQL, I try not to use the, except for just quick and dirty stuff, the asterisk. Asterisk, yeah. sorry, asterisk. So it always struck me as odd because I think triggers, don't they do a select all when it gives you the data? Um, so I don't know because ugh, the apex and triggers are pretty static. So when you save a trigger, this, if Salesforce wants to know, they know every field that your code is accessing. Yeah, but I've done dynamic stuff and that data has been there, I guess. Well, then you're doing a dynamic query. That's different. No, no I can do it. I can run a trigger and I can tell it, go select this field and it grabs it just fine. I think all the data when a trigger runs is there. Maybe they, maybe they do. But um, I guess you can always, you can do dynamic field access on S objects, right? You do. Yeah. yeah get the, just the get method. Just get, yeah. So I don't know if they're digging. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause that, that would not be statically determinable. Right. So. Cause that was my thought too. But as I got more into the dynamic stuff, I'm noticing that I've never had to tell it that I'm using that field and it comes back. And that led me to believe, I think it's pulling all the data. At that point in time, yeah, maybe it is. So. Maybe maybe it's not that expensive. Turns out computers are fast nowadays. <laughs> maybe they maybe they have M ones running those things now. Oh yeah, I was like M ones. <laughs> it took me a while. Sounds like a BMW car. Yeah, it does. Isn't it? I think it does actually. There's an M two. I know there's an M two. Yeah, I don't know. So. BMW M one. Let's see. Yes, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're old. Yeah, 70, I think there's an M2, right? to 81. Isn't M2 the newest ones? Uh, so M2 is the, the small. Generally, the numbers correspond to the size of the car. Oh, okay. So yeah, the M2 is like a little... Um, God, it almost looks like the... Uh, what were those popular little cars for the longest time? I forget. The anyway. Ferraris? No, 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 no. Anyway. This isn't... Uh, this isn't the car the show. The auto show. Yeah. And you said you got to go, so... Yep. All right, well, let's wrap it up. That was my speed run. Uh, I'm sure we'll revisit some things as, as it gets closer. Yeah. Or maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that was all I had to. I mean, anyway. Uh, I, I have, okay, so sticker people. Um, I realized in my last batch, because I went to do a query from our inbox. Mm-hmm to get all the stickers, got all those people's stuff sent. But then later I realized that some people had sent in sticker requests through something through Fireside. I don't know how this happens. Oh, there's a contact us page and some people okay. send it through there. So those it still goes to our email address. Um, no, it comes from a different email. It comes from a different, so I, I oh, do a from a filter. filter. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's basically from our info address with the word stickers and that's what I look for when I'm going to send out a batch of stickers. Uh -huh. And so the people that requested through our contact form and did not get in the last batch. So I'm going to do a makeup batch, a make good. 
okay. <laughs> and get those people in there. But also, we still have tons of stickers. Uh, we send out a lot, so I appreciate that. We get, you know, several requests, you know, a week or whatever. Do you want me to create a sticker form for you? No, I just people just shoot, shoot me an email, <laughs> info at gooddaysforpodcast.com with your address and how many stickers you want. And we can send stickers anywhere in the world. And it's inexpensive, so don't worry about any of that stuff. We got it covered. Uh, but yeah, we have lots of stickers. So send in your requests because you know your laptop and, you know, the... Your, or maybe you just got a new laptop the, and you need new stickers for it. That the, yeah. um, the commode stall wall or whatever in your favorite bar needs, needs a sticker. <laughs> your kid's backpack needs a sticker. Your kid's lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, send us, send us sticker requests. You can also send us feedback or questions and content for the show. That's always appreciated. Could, could use some more of that because those end up usually being pretty good topics. So the same email address for that, just the info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. And other than that, just uh, join our Slack if you're not in yet. That's uh, gooddaysirpodcast.com through your web browser and just click on community and share us and like us. That's it. That's all I got, John. All right. To that, I say good day, sir. <laughs>